Thank you, Elaine, and I, I appreciate Elaine's uh, vulnerability and uh, honesty as, as she shares. On a lighter note, um, I know Elaine is a huge Dodgers fan. Do we have any Dodgers fans here this morning? All right, th- this, is, this is an exciting time because we are in a 32-year drought, and uh, this week the National League Championship Series starts, and so uh, I'm hoping this is the year. Okay, let me uh, just a little Dodger trivia because we got a few Dodger fans here this morning. I'm going to have Andrew play a, an audio clip, and, uh, and then I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and we'll see, we'll see how well you know your, your Dodgers. The game right now is at the plate. let it finish out because it's so good. In a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. Oh man, isn't that good? <laughs> Almost get goosebumps here in that clip. Okay, what's the moment in history? What is what is being described here? Okay, I got one right here. Didi. Kurt Gibson's home run. Uh, uh, 1988. Do you know what game of the World Series that was? Was it, uh, I think it was 88, or wasn't it? Yeah, what game? Does anybody know? Dawson thinks he knows. That's right, game one. Most people think that was game seven. That's actually game one. And who's the announcer? Vin Scully. That's an easy one. Iconic voice of Vin Scully. Okay, second, second clip real quick. And the Dodgers have won the game five to four. I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. All right, very good. <laughs> now, uh, same play, right? Different announcer. Does anybody happen to know who's the announcer there? Hall of Famer. Does anybody know? No, no. Tom, you know? No. Jack Buck, Hall of Famer uh, announcer Jack Buck. And uh, two iconic calls for the uh, same play. And, uh, I, and the, the first one's my favorite. I love Vin Scully, obviously. But I wanted to play the second one, too, because I love that uh, call. I don't believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. And that's a fun roundabout way of getting to our sermon topic this morning of uh, unbelief. This morning we're we're continuing this series, Overcomer, and we're going to talk about uh, overcoming unbelief. Now I'll admit, uh, a couple weeks ago I planned all these sermons out in advance, and, and I wasn't planning on preaching this sermon, but I was reading the Bible on my own, and there was a, a verse that just jumped off the page uh, at me. In fact, it's, it's in your uh, handout this morning. If you have your uh, handout, it's, it's the verse, it's in bold, Mark 9, 24. And I read this, and it says, Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. 
And maybe the reason that it jumped out at me is because it uses the word overcome. And we're in this overcomer series. But I read that prayer and it struck my heart. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. How many of you ever pray that type of a prayer? Like you want, you believe, but you struggle to really believe the way you want to believe. I resonate with that. I want to be a man of faith, a man that has a strong uh, uh, belief and trust in God no matter what is going on. I want to be, be able to say, I believe you uh, no matter what, Lord, but I find myself falling in the camp of this guy. I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And this morning we're going to talk about overcoming unbelief. And I believe that God has laid this uh, sermon on my heart because I have a feeling, I have a conviction actually, that it's going to speak directly to a few of you. That right now the struggle in your life is overcoming unbelief. And I have a, fe- I have a feeling, and I don't, know, uh, how, I don't know who they are, but I have a feeling that this sermon is going to be for a few of you in such a way that you're going to hear these words and it's going to change your life. Because there is truth in this that we need to apply. We, we are called to be overcomers and to overcome unbelief. Now, there are three types of uh, unbelief that come to my mind. First of all, there's intellectual unbelief in that uh, we have a hard time believing in the in the existence of God or in the existence of the supernatural. And, uh, and we, we want to believe and we, wa- we want to even read the Bible, but the things in the Bible, uh, it, it almost sounds too good to be true. And we have a hard time rationalizing it. It's an intellectual unbelief. We have a hard time understanding how could this world and with all of the science and the and the things that we that just even our own experience does God really exist? Does can I really trust the Bible and the miracles that are described here? And that's an intellectual unbelief. The second kind of unbelief is an emotional unbelief. And an emotional unbelief is we have a certain understanding of what God says about himself and who he is. But in the midst of difficulties and in the midst of trials, we have a hard time believing in God in that time. And maybe you can wrestle with that, or maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe you're going through that time right now. You believe in God, but you're going through a difficult time in which it causes those questions to rise up in your heart. God, where are you? Why aren't you helping me right now? Why aren't you answering the prayer, my prayers the way I uh, want you to? And it's in the midst of those trials and those frustrations, those discouragements. It's, a, it's an emotional unbelief. Not so much intellectual in the mind, but within the heart to really believe and trust God. And then the third unbelief is a cultural unbelief. A cultural unbelief is uh, a belief uh, is an unbelief because of the uh, the tr- the pervasive message of the culture that is all around us. We live in a culture, 
And in a culture that is speaking things into our lives that would cause unbelief to rise up in our hearts. And it's causing th- uh, uh, doubts to be sowed into our, into our minds. I think of, for example, I think of just the, the world's view on sex and sexuality. And I know people that have wrestled with God's uh, uh, commandments and, and uh, his teachings in Scripture. And it is so, uh, on this subject, it's so much different than just the accepted views uh, on sex or sexuality that people have walked away from the faith because of it. They said, I can't believe. It's a cultural unbelief. And so these three unbeliefs we want to uh, wrestle with this morning as we look at uh, this passage together. Because I believe in this passage in Mark 9, 14 through 25, we have, uh, we have God's truth for helping us to overcome unbelief. Are you wrestling with unbelief this morning? And if you are honest, I have a feeling that there is one or two of those unbeliefs that you consistently wrestle with. Overcoming unbelief. Let's look at the passage. It's a story about a boy and his father wanting to receive the help of God. It starts in verse 14 of, chapter, of Mark chapter 9. Again, the passage is in your uh, handout, and uh, if you're watching at home, it'll be on the screen. When they came, they is Jesus and three of his disciples, Math, or I mean um, John, James, and Peter. They're coming down off of the Mount of Transfiguration. So when those four came to the other disciples, they saw a large, a large crowd gathered around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing about? Uh, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Do you sense the, the father's, just his deep, uh, uh, almost like a, he's at his wit's end, like the, the desperation there. Uh, it seems like he's saying, we've tried everything else, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And uh, there seems to be almost a little bit of... Um, of uh, resistance from jesus like uh he says 
If you can, like, are you doubting me? If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that, the, that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, He's dead! But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Just a little background information. The word there for lifted is actually the same Greek word for raised when when Jesus was raised from the dead. So in, in other words, we might even translate this Uh, He was raised uh, to his feet. Okay, now the last two verses, these are key. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. Or some translations will say only by prayer and fasting. You know, when I read this passage, it's, it's such a graphic picture. Uh, like, if you really try to imagine it, it almost uh, gets you sick to your stomach because you imagine a father, and in his desperation, has brought the boy to both the teachers of the law and the, the disciples, and you can sense the anxiety within his own heart. Like, I imagine the boy to be, we're not told the age, I imagine him to be 10 years old because that's how... Uh, old my my son Dawson is but if you uh, if you picture a boy that you know or that you love or a girl that you know and you love and then you picture them going through what this boy is going through like laying down on the uh, ground convulsing like his body becomes uh, rigid and he and he shrieks and it's such a violent scene it, it just makes you your heart break that the father has witnessed this and not just this one time event he says that the boy has been like this since childhood it's happened over and over again and you can imagine that the uh, his the father's heart breaks Sometimes when I've read this passage, I wonder when Jesus first comes to the uh, boy's father, why doesn't he heal the boy like immediately? You ever know, did you notice that when we read this? Look at what happens here uh, when, verse 20, when they brought him, so they brought him, and when the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't heal the boy immediately. The first thing he does is he turns to the father and he says, how long has he been like this? And sometimes I think we come to Jesus and we want Jesus' healing immediately, just like that. And Jesus doesn't heal just like that all the time. Maybe the fact, maybe the fact that Jesus turns to the boy's father is a healing in itself, but it's not a healing for the boy. First of all, he is there to minister to the father who has been Uh, struggling with this year after year after year. Sometimes God doesn't act in your timing because he knows that there there is something deeper within yourself or within others that he has to deal with in the process. You see, Jesus is good in all things, even when we don't understand his timing, uh, because he has bigger things that he may be dealing with. 
Now, as Jesus comes to the boy and his father, he finds the disciples and the teachers of the law are arguing. We see that here in verses 14 and 15. They're having an argument, and Jesus asks them, what are you arguing about? We're not, uh, and, and the boy's father is the one that speaks up. It says, they're arguing because nobody can heal my son. He's going through this. You see, an argument is not really between two people as much as it is between two belief systems. That's why you can have an argument within your own mind. Because you've got two belief systems that are, that are uh, having it out. They're in conflict. You believe one thing. And at the same time, you believe another thing. You believe that God is good and he'll protect you in everything. But in reality, it doesn't feel like God is good in protecting you here in the moment. Or you believe that, uh, that the laws of nature and science cannot be broken. But how do we deal with uh, the idea of miracles and that God can act outside of that? You see, there are two belief systems that can take place in a conflict within two groups of people, or even within uh, our own hearts and our own minds. And Jesus looks at both the disciples and the teachers of the law, and he says, you unbelieving generation. In other words, the whole lot of you, neither of you've got it right. Neither of you are able to actually help the father or the boy the, they're both uh, frustrated. The boy is convulsing on the ground and the father receives no comfort. He says, you unbelieving generation, the whole lot of you, neither of you have found what's going to really help. And I wonder if he would look at us today and he would look at uh, a, a society and as a whole, a, a, a culture and a people that is that are more and more turning away from God. And he'd say, the whole lot of you, you unbelieving generation, all of you, you haven't settled on the right belief system. Really what he is saying is, it's not working. And we're pragmatists. We want what is going to work. The boy and uh, his father really are at their wits in they don't know where to turn and if, and in fact it seems that they've just kind of accidentally almost stumbled onto the truth but maybe you feel like this morning you're at your wits end you've visited every doctor and no one knows how to help the physical ailment that you have or you've applied for every job and you just can't seem to get hired or you've visited too many counselors and you still have the same struggles as you've had year after year. Or you've read every book and you can't seem to find the answer to your problems. Or even you've prayed every prayer and you still struggle in your faith. You're at your wit's end. Well, in this passage, it seems that the boy's father has stumbled across the, uh, the right a person that is able to help and we actually may have stumbled across the key to overcoming our unbelief because the key here is found in life with Jesus in fact the big idea of this message is to come to Jesus as you are and to 
keep coming to him. Let me read a quote to you from um, David Garland. David Garland writes a commentary on Mark, and he says, The father belongs to the unbelieving generation, but we see him straining to have this faith. Unlike the people of Nazareth who refuse to believe, the father's unbelief is repentant. He is unable to believe, but is desperate enough to ask uh, to help for a miracle and for a faith that expects the impossible. You see, the father has stumbled across the, uh, the uh, person that is able to help him with our problems. And I hope that we stumble across the ability to overcome our unbelief. Here it is that we come as you are and you keep coming to him. The boy's father does not have perfect faith. In fact, that's seen in his prayer. Lord, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. In a sense, if, if this uh, grass represents all his faith, it seems that maybe he has a blade of grass. He has just a little bit, but that in itself is enough for him to see uh, the Lord help him in his faith. And, and when we uh, come before God, we come as we are. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers in your mind uh, sorted out. You don't even have to believe that uh, God will work out everything in the long run. All you have to do is come as you are and keep coming to him. There's two redeeming attributes that this boy's father has. One is honesty. Help me in my unbelief. And two is humility. I don't have it all together. And if we adopt those two attitudes, humility and honesty, then we're on our way to overcoming unbelief. To come as you are and to keep coming to him. Overcoming unbelief is really to adopt a new belief system. One in which God is at the center of your life. That's a new belief system, one in which God is at the center of your life. See, the problem with the belief system that the teachers of the law were operating on is they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the one come from God. The problem that the uh, disciples believes, with the problem with the disciples' belief system is they thought they could do it on their own. They thought that this uh, power to heal was their own autonomous possession now. But uh, and I, and I know that to be the case because of the last two, boy, last two verses. Why couldn't we drive it out? Jesus replied, this, time, this kind can come out only by prayer. In other words, uh, this kind can only come by trusting in me. So we are presented with all kinds of belief systems. The culture has its own belief system. Am I right? And uh, difficulties has their own belief system. And... Uh, and we have our own belief system that wants to say we ought to have what we sh should have and put ourselves at the center. But here is a new belief system. Here is the belief system that will actually work when we put Jesus at the center of our lives. If we are to pursue peace without God, that is an exercise in, the, in, the, in futility. 
If we are to seek social change, which is, so, uh, which is uh, right around us all the time right now and in the things that we are experiencing in our culture, but if we are to seek social change without God, it will not work. It will ultimately lead to greater violence and greater injustice. If we are to seek earthly satisfaction without God, that satisfaction will be short-lived and fleeting. You see, we need, to, we need to come down on a new belief system, one in which God is at the center of our lives. And so this morning, I want to challenge you. If the unbelief that you are wrestling with today is an intellectual unbelief, I want to uh, challenge you to come before God as you are with those doubts and those uh, difficulties, but keep coming to him. And even come with just a blade of grass of faith. And just keep seeking to ask God, what is the truth? And so an intellectual unbelief, it, it's a, it's a, uh, it takes some serious wrestling with. But there are many who have thought through the things of faith and actually come to the conclusion that it is quite logical to believe in God. In fact, there are scientists who have uh, studied the vastness of the universe and come to the conclusion that it makes a lot of sense that there would be a creator uh, behind that. In fact, I, I hear a plane right now. Do you see the plane? There's a, okay, there's a, there's a plane right over here. Now, if you see that plane, what's your, what's your natural reaction? Do you think, wow, what a magnificent thing that there was an explosion up in the sky and uh, that plane just came to be? It'd be kind of a ridiculous thing to think, right? Why, how in the world did that plane get there? Well, there was a designer. Uh, someone thought up the idea of that aircraft. There was a whole design team and they put it together. When we look at the magnificent, uh, the, the greatness of this universe and then the complexity of a little human cell, it, uh, there have been many that have come to the conclusion that it makes sense to believe that there would be a, an intelligent creator behind that. In fact, there are many doctors today who are uh, prescribing prayer because they have seen so often how uh, people that, that are healed from their disease with no logical evidence of how that would happen. You see, I want to encourage you that if you are wrestling this morning with intellectual unbelief, to come before God and even with it's a, if it's a blade of grass of belief, just keep seeking the Lord and praying this prayer. Uh, I believe, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Come as you are and keep coming to him. Now, what if it's an emotional unbelief? You think, where is God in this? In your mind, you know that God is good and you know that he's strong and he knows that you know that he loves you, but uh, it's hard to find him in the in the it's hard to find him in the moment because you're going through a time of grief or discouragement or trial. What is the uh, key to overcoming emotional unbelief? Well, the answer is the same. Keep coming to God, but uh, come to God, but keep coming to him. 
and to come with him with the attributes of humility and honesty. Believe me, God's big enough. He can take all of your frustration. He can take all of your anger. The key is to keep coming to God and expressing to him even an ounce of faith. I believe now help me overcome my unbelief. And what if it's a cultural unbelief? Well, cultural unbelief is a difficult unbelief to deal with because we live in a culture. And we recognize that this culture is giving us messages all the time. And uh, even to use my example of, of uh, the culture's view around sex and sexuality, the Bible teaches very clearly that, uh, that uh, sex is to be reserved between a man and a woman within marriage. Now, many will hear that statement, and uh, a man and a woman within marriage, five words, and, uh, and be completely offended by that. In fact, they are willing to walk away from the faith because of it. You see, this is how strong cultural unbelief is. But here is my challenge uh, to you as we wrestle with those types of unbelief. If there is a God, and he is good, would he try to withhold any good thing from you? My conclusion is no, he wouldn't. In fact, even when uh, what we believe about God flies in the face of culture, I believe that we can trust God because he has created us and he knows what is best for us. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden were confronted by Satan uh, with, a, uh, and Satan wanted to cause uh, a cultural unbelief within them. He wanted to cause doubt to rise up within their own minds. Did God really say you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Because uh, really, if you ate that, you would, know, you would be like God knowing good and evil, good from evil. And so what he is doing is he's causing uh, seeds and sowing seeds of unbelief to doubt who God is. My challenge to you is to enter in, even with a blade of grass of faith, to say, Lord, I believe you, even if it doesn't make sense to me, but I trust you. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, belief is really uh, more than just what we have in our minds. Belief is how we live out our lives. Belief is a readiness to act as if what you believe is true, as if what you believe it is so. And so if we believe in God, we act in alignment with who God is and what he has told us. Belief is not just what you would get right or wrong on a multiple choice test. It is how you actually live out your life. It's your actions. And so I want to challenge you this morning to take a step of faith. And if I've lost you at any point during this message, give me two minutes here because I want, you to, I want you to hear this. This may be for you this morning. What is your act of faith this morning? Maybe it is to read God's word and to uh, trust it to the best of your ability, to trust in God's word and to read it and to overcome intellectual unbelief. Maybe it is to 
trust in the wisdom of God, that even while you go through life's most discouraging, difficult moments, you trust that God ultimately knows best. And maybe it is uh, to trust in the ways of God, even when they fly in the face of what culture says is right and true, we trust in the ways of God. May, uh, so what is your step of faith this morning? Is it to trust in the word of God? Is it to trust in the wisdom of God? Is it to tr- trust in the ways of God? May you have a step, an act and a step of faith this morning so that you might overcome unbelief. As I was preparing this message um, this week, I'll admit uh, that there has been uh, one couple in our church uh, on my mind over and over again uh, throughout this week. Uh, That's because early in the week, I think it was Monday or Tuesday night, I had a, um, a Zoom meeting. I do this periodically with couples within the church. We just call it a spiritual check in. And I uh, just call them up, and uh, we set up an appointment, and I just ask them how they're doing. And once in a while, and maybe you think this is cheating, uh, but once in a while I'll, I'll read the passage that I'm going to preach on that Sunday as kind of our little devotional to get us started. And so I read this passage to Paul and Shizuka Mitsuhashi this week, and uh, Shizuka almost uh, just was chuckling as she read it because she said, I can relate to that passage so much. Shizuka is in her late 20s, and um, I asked her if I could share this, and and she said uh, yes with the the hope that many would pray for her. Shizuka's got a very serious uh, illness that she's had since she was a child. And unless the Lord works a miracle, she will not live much longer. It's a very serious disease in which we're talking about uh, months at this point at, at most. And Shizuka has, uh, she said that she has been like the boy in this passage, that she has suffered from this for, since she was a, a child. Almost like she's uh, where, where she's at with like the boy's father at her wit's end. She's seen every doctor, prayed every prayer, and it doesn't seem that anything is helping, continues to get worse. In fact, she saw a counselor a couple weeks ago who actually uh, told her after she met with her for a while, she said, are you a person of faith? Because I believe that as I hear you, that what you are wrestling with is Uh, spiritual in nature, at least in part. And that's why when we read this passage, Shizuka just said, this passage seems to be my life. In fact, as we met uh, earlier in the week, uh, both Paul and Shizuka were going through a period of prayer and fasting, just as Jesus told his disciples to do. Now the thing that, the reason I'm able to share this passage is Because Paul and Shizuka, I am amazed at their faith. Like if we talk about being an overcomer, they are overcomers. Part of me just thinks, uh, don't you have some sort of emotional unbelief? Don't you have some sort of intellectual unbelief? 
Their trust in God is so magnificent. I talk to them, and it gets, just gives me goosebumps. They have come to the conclusion that no matter how God heals, whether it is on this earth or in eternity, that God is good and he can be trusted. And I share that with you because, I, A, I want you to pray, but, A, I just want you to see the example of this couple within our church and just pray with all of our hearts that we would be overcomers. I believe, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. And we come as we are, and we just keep coming. And Paul and Shizuka, they come, and they're broken, and they're humble, and they realize they don't have any answers on their own, but they just keep coming and i know we all go through difficult times in our faith my challenge for us is to come as we are to come humbly and broken and with honesty and uh, and just come before the lord but don't give up just keep coming may we may we be like the boy's father in this passage in which we really get in the habit of praying over and over again Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. You know, I love this church because I see so many unbelievers. So many unbelievers. I see so many overcomers. Hey, if you're an unbeliever, because I'm an unbeliever, uh, but I got a blade of grass of faith, right? And I love this church because we got so many overcomers. And, uh, And may we... Uh, just believe with whatever's within us, but not give up. Come as we are, but just keep coming. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, I thank you for today. Uh, God, I thank you that we can come to you as we are. We don't have to have it all together. In fact, we don't have to be perfect We never will be this side of eternity. Uh, But God, we just come before you and we pray that we would stumble across the uh, right belief system. That if we are really to experience peace and joy and love within our own hearts, it is when we put you at the center of our lives. And so God, I pray that you would help us to be overcomers. God, I thank you for Paul and Shizuka and the example that they are to us. I thank you that they continue to seek you and to trust in you and to look to you. And, there, and, uh, and while I am sure there's some sort of uh, doubt within their hearts, it's not expressed. I honestly believe they trust in you with all their hearts, come what may. And God, may we be like that. May we be overcomers. May we keep coming. May we keep coming. May we keep praying with just a blade of grass of faith. God, I believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.